So he's saying, you got to put on this armor, but you got to pray always. You got to spend time with them. Suicide is a permanent solution to a temporary problem. Understand that. How do we go from there? Well, first of all, you got to believe what God says about you. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. God has a plan for your life. You are not in control. That's, that's one thing. You are not in control. When you are weak, He is strong through you. The following message is a personal testimony from John David Herring. It is raw, emotional, and life-changing. And it's brought to you by Southside Christian Fellowship Church, a place where you're loved, accepted, and received. If you or someone you know is suicidal or in emotional distress, please contact us at 770-957-5909. If you feel this is an emergency, please call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255. That's 1-800-273-8255. Well, good morning. Um, this is your unassuming guest speaker today. And, and maybe to many of you, I am a guest. Many of you, some of you do know me, but many of you know me as Stacy's husband. So, this is going to be very unconventional. Um, it's going to be very hard. Some of you, this is going to affect you very deeply. This is going to affect me very deeply. Um, I, I've been around Trace Diaz for a long time, and for those of you that don't know what Trace Diaz is, it's a three-day retreat that, that men will go down one weekend and women will go down another weekend. And this is very similar to a, a type of testimony you would hear at a Trace Diaz. So when we talk about that, I wanted to kind of lay that out. I'm going to open with a prayer, and it's something that we pray, Trace Diaz, before we give a meditation. And this is, you, you'll hear a religious overtone in the prayer, but listen to the prayer. Come Holy Spirit, fill our hearts and kindle them in the fire of your love. Send forth your spirit and they shall be created, and you shall renew the face of the earth. O God, who by the light of the Holy Spirit instructs the hearts of the faithful, grant that by the same Holy Spirit we may be truly wise and ever rejoice in His consolation through Christ our Lord. We believe, Lord, that You are here present. Although our eyes do not see You, our faith senses You. Take any stray thoughts from our minds. Make us understand the truths that You wish to teach us in this lesson today. Let us make up our mind to put them into practice. Your servants are listening, Lord. Speak, O oh Lord, to our souls. We give thanks, Lord God Almighty, for all the benefits you have given us. To you who live and reign forever and ever. Amen. Now this is my prayer. Holy Spirit, Father, open our hearts today. Let us be truthful with ourselves and most of all with you. Father, let my word use me as you see fit. Use me to edify your body, Father. Father, show 
through me, show your heart today for your people. In Jesus' name. Okay, I'd, I'd like at this time, if the, a lot of you, you received the, the bulletin for this morning, there was a piece of paper in there, and uh, if the deacons, if you don't have one, if you would pass it out. Well, here, I'll kill a little bit of time while we're doing this. I read the other day, and, and I related to a lot of this, a little bit of moments you know you're getting old, Right? So for you young guys, you won't, you're not quite here yet, but when your friends start getting married, you, you know you're kind of getting old, right? When you start making a conscious effort to eat vegetables. <laughs> when you'd rather spend weekends at home relaxing than going out with your friends. That's a sign. I, I like this one. And when your friends ask you, what are you going to do this weekend? You say, recover from the first five days of the week. This was, I think of my dad when this one, when you start wearing comfortable clothes. When you don't care what they look like anymore, but when you start waking up early, even on the weekends. Now this, I'm guilty here, when you're seriously interested in home renovation. How about when the sports announcer says, now he's the oldest athlete in the league at 32 years old. I'm guilty of this next one, too. When you wake up with injuries that you incurred while sleeping at night. And this one, guys, guys, I got to tell you this one because I never understood it. As you get older, your hair grows more out of your nose and your ears. But I could never understand why when you see somebody and they have hair out of their ears or nose and you would always say, why doesn't he get that? Well, when you get older, you can't see it. So when you're shaving in the morning, you don't see them. It's just crazy. I'm sorry, but uh, when you grunt when you sit down or stand up. And this is the last one. When you know exactly what kind of toilet paper to buy. All right. So, so let me give you some instructions. What I'd like you to do is you have a sheet of priorities. And I'd like you to not show anybody else. I want you to rate your priorities and where you place these events in your life, one through nine. Where do you place God? Where do you place, you know, your leisure time? Where do you place your work time? Now, a lot of times when you're evaluating priorities, it's going to be where you spend your time, your talents, and your money. Be, be honest with yourself and be honest with your God. If God was looking over your shoulders, what would you write? And then I just want you to put them up. I just, you know, after you're done, you don't have to show them to anybody. I just want you to be honest with yourself. Um, there's the disclaimer. I, as we know, my disclaimer for my sermon is PG-13. So, you know, hopefully I don't see any, any young kids in here. So hearing Herman speak... Last week, I'm putting on the armor, full armor of God is very, it's a very um, sensitive subject for me. When I was asked to serve as the, the we'll call it the director of Trace Dias um, a year ago, as I was trying to prepare, as I was trying to decide what to do, you know, the God put it on my heart. Um, I was tired of seeing men in their lives get their tails kicked in. 
I was tired of Satan's continual attacks taking our men out. I was tired of seeing young and good people end their life. People I care about. Um, I made up my mind, this is, you know, when we, when we give our testimony at Trace Diaz, it's a very safe environment. I'm with men. I'm with men I trust. I'm in, with men I've done battle with. And, and I was very reluctant to, to put this forward because how you look at me it may change from here. And so I wanted to come out and, and I don't want to give a good sermon. I want to give an effective sermon. I want, I want God to have His way. We, we can't sit by anymore and be on the sidelines and not talk about things because they're uncomfortable to talk about. We're talking about a battlefield that occurs in your mind. Whatever your mind makes up its mind to do, your body is going to follow suit. Who has experienced someone who's taken their life? close to them. Let me give you some statistics that you may not be aware of. Suicide is the tenth leading cause of death in America. It's the second leading cause of death in teens. Second. It's the second leading cause of death in college students. It's the second leading cause of death in the world from ages 15 to 24. 5,400 teens attempt suicide every day. Men are four times more likely, and middle-aged white male is the highest category. There's a suicide every 12 minutes in America with about 45,000 people that take their lives is very much higher in the veteran population. Um, 22 veterans commit suicide every single day. It's an epidemic. There's more suicides than, enemy, than, than veterans killed by enemy fire. Or, and it's 272% higher than homicide. Why, does it, why is it not addressed? You hear about a homicide every every 30 seconds on the news. And it's 7,000 lives higher annually than car fatalities. There's been a 30% increase in it since the year 2000. 50% increase in, in young girls and women. So one of the, one of the aspects of it is, one of the aspects, not, it's not all the aspects, one of the main contributors to it is depression. And that's depression is the leading cause of disability in America. So let me give you a little background on myself. So who I am, um, a lot of you know me, some of you don't. So I'm 52 years old. I was born in Iowa and I moved to South Bend, Indiana. That's why we're Notre Dame fans. And I grew up in Arizona with my mother. I uh, graduated from Arizona State with a degree in finance in 1989. I met my beautiful wife, Stacy, over 33 years ago, and we were married in 1988. So after 20 years of marriage, we had our miracle children, Arden and Brady. So, and they're 11 now. 
So I moved to Georgia in the early 90s and I went to work for my dad. I went to work for him. He had a, a truck business selling commercial trucks and trailers. And I went to work with my brothers. And after about seven years, um, we left uh, for, for, for some reasons. We don't have to get into that. But uh, in 1999, um, I started my own company with my partner, Rich. We dedicated our business to the Lord. We tithed. We always tried to honor him and glorify him. Rich retired about 10 years ago, and we have been blessed to continue our business at a pretty high level. So um, our business does an annual, about, annual sales of about $20 million. Um, this is our 20th year in business, and uh, we've sold, we figured out here the other day, in 20 years we've sold 20,000 trucks and trailers. So, so we have God to bless when you, when you bring God, I, this is, it's a whole different subject, but you, when you bring God into your business, you know, so, so in 2010, I also started a real estate company, buying and selling and fixing up foreclosures. God also blessed that business. Um, in 2011, we did roughly 6 million in sales in 2011 and we just started the, the business in 2010. This was my night job. So, so, so we did truck sales and managing the business in the daytime, and I managed all that other end in the afternoon. Stacy and I also have been members of Southside for over 20 years. We both were baptized in this church. So needless to say, I'm a very blessed man. I have a great wife, two wonderful children, Great brothers, nice house, nice cars, great pastor, as we know. It wasn't always this way. You know, from, from, from looking at the outside at me, you could say, I've been successful about everything I've done. That's from looking at the outside. So let me give you my testimony now. Let me give you a little bit of my testimony. In 2012... Let me kind of paint a picture of what was going on in 2012. So we just had these banner years, and in 2012, I would go to work all day, and probably at the peak of 2012, we had 16 houses that we were managing and, and, and going around, and, you know, when I would leave the office, a lot of times I would check on the jobs. We would, we would you know, think of the amount of bills you had to pay all the time. And the upcoming May foreclosure sale was about to take place. And I was sitting in my office, and we would send different people to the courthouse to buy houses for us. And God spoke to me and asked me to choose. I mean, I remember so vividly, God said, choose. And you didn't have to ask him, like, what are you talking about? He said, choose, money or me. scared me. You know, this was not, he was saying, you're, the God of the universe was saying, are you going to choose me or are you going to choose this, what you're doing? How, how do you think of the consequences of, of telling him no, but also think of the consequences of telling him yes? We had just made a million dollars in real estate the year before, and he was asking me to just walk away from it. 
How do you do that? I, I, I made up my mind that I was going to do it. I called my project manager, David, at the courthouse, and I said, we're done. And he said, okay. And he left. I was fearful. Um, you know, it was good. It was good at first. Um, we, I totally pulled back out of real estate. You know, understand, you guys, you know, when you guys get older and you, you get through school and you go out and you get a job, you know, you're, you're out on your own, so it's important that you make money. You're going to want to make money. You're going to want to pay your car. You're going to want to pay your house payment. And, and your, your life's pursuit somehow it starts becoming that. Everything you do, you know, a, a better job, a better occupation, a little more money, a little this, and everything is that, is that way. I built my whole life around pursuing money. I was good at it. It was the one thing I knew how to do. Slowly, Satan convicted me of it. Fear and shame crept into my life. I'd lay awake at night, mostly with a cold sweat. I did not know how to function anymore. Um, I know it seems probably from the outside looking in like, how? How, how, do, how do you do that? If every day you get up and put your shoes on and you go to work that's, and your identity is in that person and God says, don't be that person anymore. You know, you, maybe you put your identity in your family. Maybe you put in your occupation. Maybe you put it in your children. And God said, don't be that person anymore. It's like an alcoholic saying, you can't have a drink anymore. Stacy would pray over me off and on all night. I really didn't know how to function anymore. I decided around one afternoon that I wasn't. I came home and pulled in my driveway, and I intended to go in and write Stacy a letter. And as I was sitting in my driveway, I was contemplating what I was going to say to my kids. I, I had the place I was going to do it and when I was going to do it. But God had a different plan for me. Surprisingly, Stacy pulled in the driveway. She knocked on my window. I was never home early, and I was home about 3 o'clock that day. She knew I was up to something. And she looked in my eyes, and she said, no. She knew. She grabbed me. I mean, you talk about divine aid. We go ahead and play this video. The video being shown is of a performance from a skit titled Lifehouse Everything Skit. Look for it on YouTube or simply click the link included in the details of this podcast. That was me. You know, I had this beautiful life with Christ. I was born again at Trace Dias 20 years ago. I wrote Christian music. I had this beautiful life and then the world came in and pulled you away. And when Stacy knocked on my window that day, that was God redeeming me at that point. Now, I'm not going to leave you hanging here because the purpose is, is if God could do that to me, 
what can he do to you? You know, everybody thinks money solves their problems or, or this solves their problems. It doesn't. So, let, so let's kind of, I want to dwell into a little bit of what I've experienced and where I'm at today. 1 Peter 5.8 says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Does that kind of look like what the devil's tactics? He's studying you. He knows how to get to you. So I had to go back and evaluate myself. How did, how did I end up here? I had everything that the world says you should have. But God allowed correction to take place in my life. I remember talking to Pastor Gary, and, and when I told Gary about my story, Gary got excited. He says, do you know how much God loves you? That he allowed correction to take place in your life? And then I remember Papa Herman saying years ago, he cried because God corrected him even in an old age. God brings correction in your life sometimes because he really loves you. So I was going to figure out, how do I put God first in my life? It's really scary. You all filled out that. I mean, does sports take up your time? Do your job take up your time? Does your leisure, do you exercise, work out? Think about where he is, you know, and, and, and I had to think about like what would it really require to put him first in my life? I began to read the Bible every single night and work on a deeper relationship with God. I began to pray every night with my family. I began to pray every morning before I leave the house, and to this day I do. I hit my knees every morning and pray. I learned every verse that I could come up with to combat fear. And I, and, and I have a list up here if you'd like them. There's, there's 18 of them. And I'll just tell you one of my favorites is Philippians 4, 5 through 7. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your request be made known to God, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. I wanted that peace of God. I wanted my heart guarded. There's some great ones, and, there, and, and Satan doesn't like the Word of God coming back at him. And I would suggest if you, if you have problems with anxiety or fear or depression, you grab this and, and you find some of your go-to ones and you use him and, and you give him back at him at those times and he will flee. The word says he has to flee. I made many changes in our company as well. We, we're not still doing this all the time but, but we started prayer every morning at our company. We don't still do that today. I can't tell when everybody's going to show up. So it was got kind of hard. <laughs> we paid everyone's full medical benefits at our company. And we had monthly bonuses. We started retirements accounts and gave 10% of our corporate profits back to the employees. We still do that today. We still give 10% of what we make back to the employees and year-end bonuses. I began to place God first in my life and my family second. When Herman spoke the other day, I was sitting over there 
and something else came to my mind. I had a good friend in the business, his name was Tom Rubel, and, and my dad used to do business with his dad, and we'd been in business for over 20 years. He was a good Christian man, good Christian businessman. And, and you know, I was just sitting uh, thinking about it, just a subject once he said to me, we once were in a, in, in a deal, and, and uh, I know this will sound kind of crazy, but we, we had somebody that said they were going to sue us unless we gave them 40 grand. And Tom said to me, he goes, John David, if you have money that will solve a problem, you don't have a problem. I'm like, you know, that's the world. But he was right. If you can write a check and make that problem go away and not dwell on it, you don't have a problem. It's just whether you choose to hang on to it or not. But I was sitting there thinking of him, and I was thinking, Tom's not with me anymore. Tom suffered from depression. We used to talk on and off probably over the 20 years. And on and off about just, you know, different things in our life, family. I mean, he was, if you, if you put John David and you put Tom there and you said this is a Christian businessman, you would, he would far out exceed me. That's what the kind of man he was. And I remember we were talking one night and, and he asked me to think about something and, I, and he asked me to call him and I didn't call him for a couple of days and I said, Tom, I just wanted to let you know I was struggling. And he said, that's okay, John David. I, I, I came across something the other day and he said, it will be, you'll be amazed on how to deal with depression and how easy it is. I'm like, wow. I said, cool. Two days later, another friend of mine in the business called me and said, John David, I'm fixing to ruin your day. And I'm like, oh, what's going on? He said, Tom took his life last night. How does this keep happening? Paul and I went up to his viewing and his service and over 800 people showed up at his viewing. Tom was so well loved. And, and I want to say this because I know some of you have lost people. I remember his pastor said, I, I kept asking myself, why? Why did this happen to Tom? And he said, I finally realized Tom made a mistake. Some mistakes bear b bigger consequences than others. He just made a mistake. After the luncheon, we were leaving, and I hug hugged his youngest daughter. She was probably in her 30s. Her name was Jessie. And she was broken up pretty bad. She was crying. And I could feel the brokenness in her whole body. If Tom would have only known, I immediately thought of my daughter and said, I want to be able to walk her down the aisle someday. I want my son, Brady, to see him to become a godly man and a husband. So I ask yourself, look at your list. What would you do if the God of all creation asked you to choose? He knows your heart already. 
Where is he truly on your list? What will you do when God takes your identity, a family member, your purpose, your whole world? You must learn to put your armor on. Don't wait until Satan confronts you on the battlefield. And you got to say, um, hang on, do you mind if I go put my armor? And don't turn your back on him either. You don't have any armor on your back. Ephesians 6, 11 through 18, there's six pieces of armor. But, but here it says put on the, ar- put on the whole armor of God. He's, he says it twice. Do we have that up there? Oh, okay. Put on your whole armor of God that we may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness in this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore take up the whole armor again, that you may withstand the, may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to withstand, stand there, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, Above all, taking the shield of faith, which you will be able to quench the fiery darts of the wicked one, and take on the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. So he's saying you got to put on this armor, but you got to pray always. you got to spend time with them. Suicide is a permanent solution to a temporary problem. Understand that. Some problems go deeper than others. You need to try to listen to people and understand what someone might be going through. Understand, it's not in the answers, it's in the questions. A good definition for the word understand is to stand in another person's shoes. Stacy and I attended a suicide prevention conference last February, and here's some questions that aren't often asked. You know, if you see somebody going through something, you got to ask them, are you contemplating suicide? How do you plan on doing it? When do you plan on doing it? See, most people, want they won't tell you if they're contemplating it, they want a way out. They want you to save them. I wanted Stacy to save me. See, your mind makes up your mind that you're going to go down this road, but you've got to ask. Here's some answers. Here's some answers that you would give them. I don't want to see you die. I can see what you're going through is very painful. You want to validate their pain. This isn't. A, this isn't, wouldn't be something that you would say. Well, I would do it this way or whatever. You validate their pain on what they're going through. You have no idea what the mind is doing to them. We want to keep you safe. Is there somebody that we can call? I don't want to see you die. You know, it's, it's a matter of listening and caring and, and get them to safety. It takes courage to ask that question, which most will never ask. But if you will, lives will be saved. The person that is thinking about suicide already said this, is hoping that you will help them. When dealing with faith, 
helping a person is about meeting them where they're at, not where you are at. Saying you need to have more faith, you need to pray more, you have sin in your life. Those statements are shame-inducing. Many times a suicidal person has already heaped a bunch of shame on themselves. You should never show anger toward that person. The goal is to give them hope. Here's some advice I've received in my life. My, my business partner, Rich, he was, he was a great guy. And I was concerned once with a, with a guy I had made mad at me in business. And, and, and he just didn't want to have anything to do with me anymore. And it just bothered me to no end. I'm one of those guys that, you know, I, I don't, you know, I don't like people mad at me. And Rich said, that guy, that guy doesn't give you two thoughts at night. Why do you worry about what he's thinking of you? And man, it took some while to think about that. I mean, he can sleep at night. I can't. And then he also said, 99% of the, of the things you worry about never happen. He's 100% right. That's Satan's, one of his great tactics. You know, I think of the, the, you know, the young people today of, of the social media, and they're so concerned what people think about them. You know, and, and, and you're so fearful of, you know, I'm going to lose my job, I'm going to lose my money, I'm going to lose my house and all this. 99% of them things don't ever happen. So... How do we go from there? Well, first of all, you got to believe what God says about you. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. God has a plan for your life. You are not in control. That's, that's one thing. You are not in control. When you are weak, He is strong through you. Don't get your life too far out of balance. There's, there's heavy consequences for not being balanced in your life. And if you can change direction and re reset your course, I suggest you try to do it. If your loved ones, you see them sad or feeling, speak to them, talk to them. Don't wait. Finally, there's, this one's probably helped me the most in everything. If you know somebody that, that has someone that's lost their life close to them, pray for them. Intercede for them. I pray for Tom's daughters and his wife every day. Gladys and Eugene, every day. I, I have just so many people in my life I'm praying for over that. But it's also... It's also sobering to yourself that you don't go down that road again. Most importantly, spend time with Him. Seek Him earnestly. I've got three scriptures up, and it's about being honest with God. I've seen the most, most significant things happen in my life when you're 100% seek earnestly God. Hebrews 11.6, without faith, it is impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is, and he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Amen. Jeremiah 29, 13, and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all of your heart. Matthew 7, 6 through 8, 
Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened. For everyone who asks receives and everyone who seeks finds. And to him who knocks it will be opened. There's been many times in my life where that, that I've experienced things. I think the first time I was ever um, fell down in the spirit, I wanted so bad to meet God at a place. And I came to the altar and, and I'll never forget what he told me. You know, um, at Trace Dias, I was saved before I went to Trace Dias, but I didn't want to be there. And I asked God, and I said, I told God, I said, God, I don't want to be here, but I tell you what, I'll stick out this weekend if you let me know what it's like to feel to be one of these Christians who's excited about you. See, that was an honest heart saying, look, I don't feel it, but I want to. See, God knows that. Look, God, I don't have you first in my life, but I want to. You know? I don't know how to pray for these people, but I want to. You know, it's just being honest. When you honestly seek Him and the Scripture backs it up, when you honestly and earnestly, and it's your heart with His heart, man, God will move. God wants a relationship with you. He wants it so bad. If you or someone you know is suicidal or in emotional distress, please contact us at 770-957-5909. If you feel this is an emergency, please call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255. You've been listening to Sunday Sermons from Southside Christian Fellowship Church, a place where you are loved, accepted, and received, a place of healing, a place of prayer, a place of hope. We invite you to join us this Sunday and every Sunday. For service times, location, and other information about the church, please visit our website at southsidechristianfellowship.net. Again, that's southsidechristianfellowship.net. As we wrap up today's message, we would like to once again thank you for listening. We would like to also have Papa Herman, an elder at Southside, to speak a Father's blessing over you. May the Lord bless and keep you, that He would cause His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you, that the Lord would lift up the light of His countenance upon you and give you His peace. And remember that the Lord's favor is with you all the time. Expect it. It is with you. It's manifesting itself to you. It will overtake you no matter where you are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.